Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. gentlemen to a brand new edition of the cannon fire podcast back at you today for episode 125 and it's perhaps our biggest show of the year and and when i tell you i am prepared i'm excited i i just i couldn't be any more prepared or excited to bring you this show here today it's our season predictions show for the 2020 buccaneers season so we're going to go over the schedule week by week, break down win-loss record at the end of the show. We'll even give you some player awards, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, rookie of the year, and of course, most improved player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster in 2020. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me as always, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Evan, season predictions time, baby. It's kind of weird because it feels like we're too late but it almost feels like we're too early how how you feeling yeah typically we will do this show at like the end of july so this is like a month late but at the same time you know with with no preseason does it honestly feel like today sunday august 30th is exactly two weeks until week one like it doesn't to me um it doesn't feel like, I mean, we're, we're obviously less than two weeks from opening night in Kansas City, and it just doesn't feel like it at all. I mean, typically, you know, the objective of these these prediction shows being in late July is we try to get it out before training camp happens, before preseason happens, so we don't really have kind of like a cheat sheet. So we're just, we're going ahead and making those claims before we see anything. And uh, this year, obviously, didn't have that, so that's why it's sort of pushed back. But um really excited to be able to do it it's always a fun show it's probably like our longest show of the year because like we we try to go in depth and uh the past few years i've been closer on on record predictions than you have uh (laughs) i mean your name is the eternal optimist but um you know i I believe last year i I had them going nine and seven you predicted seven and nine so you were definitely the victor last year (laughs) <laughs> Boom! Right there. Although I believe the first year we ever did this, we both predicted them to go ten and six, and that was the year of like hard knocks and stuff, and that was just dead wrong. So yeah, I mean it is what it is. We'll see what happens today, but definitely a much different season than we've predicted. You know, the three, four other seasons we've done by now. So I'm very excited to get right into this, and uh, let's do it. Let's kick things off. Week one, the Buccaneers open up their season against the division rival New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees in the Superdome. It's going to be a 425 p.m. kickoff. Um, 
The empty Superdome. The empty Superdome. They're going to be able to pump crowd noise in, which, I mean, if anything, by the way, pumping in crowd noise seems like it's going to affect the players maybe a little more than we thought. Um, Mm -hmm. The Buccaneers have been doing some scrimmages this past week, and a lot of the reporters there say that the speakers pumping in crowd noise isn't like crowd noise. It's just loud speakers bearing down you know, white noise and cheering on you. Uh, So it's pretty loud. And a lot of them said they left there with headaches. So depending on how loud the NFL lets them make their speakers, we'll uh, we'll see how this one goes. But yes, the empty Superdome week one. Um, And really, I think this game's going to come down to who's more prepared. You know, the Saints are a well-oiled machine, playoff appearance after playoff appearance, division title after division title. We know about the Saints. We know exactly who they are. And uh, I think what they're hoping to bring to the field week one, but this one's going to come down to who's more prepared. And I'll be real with you. We've talked endlessly about preparation on a limited season. We've brought up how weird this 2020 year is. And it's, you know, somewhat of an even playing field with a lot of teams getting started late. But with this game, with week one, and as we've mentioned before, with ugly week one football I think those Brady organized OTAs back in the spring are going to pay off and the Buccaneers win a tight one here. Um, I've got them beating New Orleans in a little bit of a nail biter, but I just I think preparation saves the day and New Orleans will not be as ready as this Bucks team is because I think Tampa Bay is going to be more prepared than a lot of people think they will come week one. It'll be ugly, but they'll definitely get the job done. I've got them winning this one. So you said like a nail biter. Are you talking maybe like a last minute drive or, you know, maybe like, like a 32, 28 kind of last minute touchdown, you know, okay. two minute warning Brady heroics. Oh, OK. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you bring up some good points where the team that wins this game is likely going to be the team that's more prepared. It's in week one every year it's pretty much that way but this year it's even more of an emphasis on it because yeah. of the the limited offseason that you had and you know no preseason games at all i know the preseason a lot of the veterans don't like it but i bet you some of the veterans right now are kind of hoping they would have been able to have a game or two um you know, because, I mean, it is good preparation. I, I think they're realizing that. So I think no fans in the stadium, regardless if they're pumping in crowd noise or not, I think that's big. Uh, New Orleans is one of the loudest places to play in the NFL. It, the Bucks typically have not won in New Orleans. Like, they won week one in 2018, and they won week two in 2015. And, like, that was it. Like, the last time I think they've won in New Orleans besides those was, like, 2010. So... 2010 to 2019, they won in New Orleans three times. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a very tough place to play. It's not kind to them, and I mean, the Saints have a lot to do with it. They're it's not just the crowd noise. It's the Saints have been a good football team, like you said, just division title after division title, and they get you know they went to the NFC Championship game in 2018. Obviously, it got eliminated in the first round in 2019, but I mean, still made the playoffs and had a really good season. So. Uh, the biggest thing for me that I look at is the obvious thing is that Tom Brady just does not have the experience in this system. And I do believe that they're going to be more prepared than I think some people expect them to be. But I think if you were playing any other team, this would be a little bit different because I just look at New Orleans as a team that's been together for the past four or five years with Michael Thomas and Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara, the same offensive line, Sean Payton, obviously, uh, same defense pretty much. It just, they don't change much. And 
I think they're one of the best teams in the league. So I'm going to say that it's a very tight game. Probably come down, like you said, four or five points, I think. But I think the New Orleans Saints take this one. And the Bucks start off 0-1. I think you're going to see a lot of like encouraging signs, though. Like I think you're going to see like this, this game might be a tad high scoring, honestly, just because I think the offenses would probably have the upper hand here. But I think you're going to see a lot of encouraging signs. So it's not like people are going to be going into after week one, where it's been some years, and you're like, oh, well, you know, got blown out in week one, so we're two now. And uh, I, I think it'll be a tight game. But in the end, I just think New Orleans – New Orleans is just too good right now. And with the Bucks not playing a single preseason game and just having such limited time, I think New Orleans takes this one. And speaking of that consistency you had brought up, you know, this is you skim over the first damn half of the schedule for the Bucs. This is the biggest game they're going to play. I'd say between yeah. this and maybe, you know, week six, week six against the Packers, yeah. New Orleans is the biggest test of the first half of the schedule. And to start the season, I think if they can come in and win a close game, of course, it's a huge momentum game. It's a division game. And then week two, you follow it up with another division game. So a win here is critical. But, you know, like I said, and I'm pretty sure like you had mentioned as well, it's going to come down to who is more prepared. But Let's move on to week two. I've got the Bucs winning week one. You've got them losing. So 1-0 for me, 0-1 for you. I feel like our final record predictions are going to shake out. I think we're going to be right around the same neighborhood. I don't know. I'm the eternal optimist. Maybe we'll be one game apart, but let's figure that out. Week two, they open up at home. Raymond James Stadium. Tom Brady makes his unofficial first appearance because technically, you know, he took Ray J at the scrimmages earlier this week. By the way, I like the idea you had posted up on Twitter. It would have been cool as hell to see them like don the the game uniforms for the scrimmage, right? Just to make it feel that much mm-hmm. more real. It'd be unofficial, yeah. official yeah, so preseason football. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. So, but yeah, like you said, this will be the first time that Brady walks into that stadium to play an actual game against somebody. So. Yeah, so another division game. You just played New Orleans. They're going to head back home and take on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Back-to-back division games to open the season may sound daunting, but truly enough, I just don't think Carolina brings enough firepower to this series in 2020. It's pretty unproven. You know, I look at Carolina and I look at a young and unproven team, a young and unproven head coach. It could go really good, could go really bad. You know, that's kind of where Carolina is right now. I don't see a picture for them um you know chasing the top of the division the nfc south i don't think they'll be competing for first or even second place come week 14 15 16 but with that being said a lot of young pieces on that defense i still think this is a game where ronald jones will have a really big day against carolina to open up things for the bucks at home and i've got them taking this one back to back w's to start the year 2-0 top of the nfc south feels good baby so uh yeah, in my notes here, I just basically put a few bullet points. The the Panthers are doing a rebuild, like they are. That's what Matt Rule typically, if you look at like his records, he'll take a team and the first year is just gonna suck. And then gradually he'll build it up, build it up. And I don't think that's gonna change here. Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, he's not gonna give you many opportunities to pick off the ball, which, you know, but 
I think you can prove that you can stop him. Like, it's not like the Panthers' offensive line is still pretty shaky, and their weapons are okay. Um, obviously, the main one you have to stop is obviously Christian McCaffrey, and hopefully, you know, the Bucks did a great job of that last year in both games, really. The London game, a little bit worse in the passing game. They really killed him with the screens. But, uh, you know, overall, they did a solid job on McCaffrey, and. I think that the Bucks are just going to be, you know, they're going to come off of a loss. There's high expectations for this team this year. I, I think, you know, going to Tampa and seeing a stadium and stuff, whether there's fans or not, they're going to get energized. And I just don't think this Panthers secondary is going to be able to hang. They lost James Bradbury in the offseason to the Giants. So it's Dante Jackson at corner and then a bunch of dudes. Like, I believe they still have Trey Boston as at safety. He's a solid player, but other than that, like I just I don't see it. And I mean, week two, they have a lot of like you said, it's a young team, not a lot of time to get your feet wet. I think the Bucks take this one, uh, prove the one and one. And I, I honestly, I think this might be like a 10, 10, 14 point game. Uh, I, I don't I don't think it'll be relatively close. Yeah. And I think something that should be said earlier rather than later is kind of touching on the expectations for this Tampa team. You said expectations are high. Absolutely. They are a lot of people expecting a Super Bowl appearance this year. Um, so for the Bucks, with that being said, expectations are high. And I'm sure you and I both and plenty of other people listening are expecting this run defense to pick up exactly where they left off last year. You got some new pieces for that rotation, but. For the most part, you kept that defensive line exactly the same. And um, if expectations are that high, then I think they should have no problem figuring out Christian McCaffrey come week two. So I've got the Bucks winning. Both of us do. 2-0 and for me, 1-1 one and one for you. Let's move on to week three. They are on the road, and they go up to Denver. This is a 4.25 p.m. kickoff. And the Broncos... Denver is a team that's kind of leaning on Drew Locke to just step up and figure it out. Like, this is a big year for Drew Locke. And maybe it's because I didn't watch a lot of the guy, but when I look at Drew Locke on a surface level, I don't see a ton. Like, I just, I I don't see a superstar. Maybe he can show us some, you know, some really good flashes this year. Maybe I should pay more attention to him. And somebody who's a really big Drew Locke fan is screaming at me through their speaker right now. But I just don't see a lot. And if they're counting on that guy to step up and lead, I know they made some moves. They got Melvin Gordon this offseason, a guy who is, I think, somewhat questionable as a running back. He's definitely got his moments, but I don't think he can save that offense. Um, And they've got some talent on defense, too. I know defensive line, they got Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller, but I I think that's where they're going to need to beat us. Like, I don't think the rest of their defense can keep up. I don't think they'll match up with Tampa's potent offense. And unless they can get some pressure on Brady, I've got the Buccaneers winning this one as well. I hate to start off 3-0, and but here we are, top of the division, and I don't think Denver can handle them. Yeah, so I think this this game is, is going to be interesting because I, I liked Denver's offseason a good bit. Melvin Gordon, I think, is, is a little up and down. But, I mean, they also have Phil Lindsay there, so it's Gordon and Lindsay. I think that could work. But you know, keep in mind, they added – you know, Jerry Judy in the draft, big-time receiver from Alabama. Then they also added K.J. Hamler, the speedster from Penn State, in the draft. I really like their draft, too. So I do agree a lot of their season's riding on Drew Locke. Whether they're a playoff team or not really depends on Drew Locke. Uh, but, I mean, 
they also they added to a defensive line that has Von Miller and Bradley Chubb with Jarrell Casey, who they got from the Titans for like a seventh round pick or something. I don't know how, but uh, their defense is still one of the best. It's not as good as it used to be, but it's still one of the best. Um, and typically, you know, if you look at like Tom Brady's record in Denver, it's not great. Like when he's playing the Broncos, it's okay, but that, that's when it's in like New England. When, when it's in Denver, it's I mean it's it's for a lot of guys that altitude up there that's real. Like a yeah. lot, lot of guys say that that is a, a real thing that when you step on that field in front and it, it's tough to breathe. So I think this could be a a trap game, um, and I think this is a game that the Bucks should win because I do think on paper they are the better football team. I just think all around uh, Denver's offensive line is not good at all. Um, so I think you could see a, a low-scoring defensive battle here. I do. I don't think either one of these teams are going to be scoring a ton of points. But I think this is a game that the Buccaneers ultimately lose. Um, you know, I think every team, every team every year is going to lose to a team you probably should beat. And I think this is one of the games where the Bucs should probably beat this team. And if this game was in Tampa, I'd probably pick the Bucs. But since it's in Denver, I'm going to lean towards Denver in a really low-scoring game. Kind of kind of a boring game. But um, I think Bucks might be down like four. And then they might be down like, I don't know, like 20 to, four, like 20 to 14 or something. And they're going down a drive and Brady gets like a strip sack or something. But so it would be something like that. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of defensive plays in this game. And unfortunately, the Bucks are now one and two in mine. And some panic starts to creep in. But, I mean, I think it'll all it'll all round out in, in, in the meantime. So, um, had the Bucks losing. But I, I do think they're going to keep showing encouraging signs. Like, I don't think they're going to be getting blown out in any game this year. So, um, it's just another thing that you're going to have to build on. Yeah. Now, it's funny that you brought up the idea of a trap game because when we move on and look at week four against the L.A. Chargers, that's pretty much exactly what I have for the Bucks right here on the schedule. As with every football season, there's going to be some upsets, and it seems like every now and again the Bucks find themselves particularly in what's called a trap game or just games that simply get away from them. Uh, similar to Denver, I look at this Chargers roster, and I just don't see a lot of areas where things match up pretty evenly. Um, I think if Tyrod Taylor is still starting at this point, then I don't know if he'll be able to keep up. You know, a team with somewhat of a quarterback controversy as well, that's never a great thing. Joey Belsa and both Melvin Ingram are pretty good on that defense, but I I do think this is a game that gets away from the Bucs. Very similar to what you said about Denver, it's a game that on paper the Bucs should win. It's a game that if it was in Tampa, maybe sure they should have won. But going from Denver out to L.A., playing at 1 o'clock, I just think this is – say again? The game's in Tampa. Is it in Tampa? I thought it was yes. in L.A. No, it's in Tampa. Okay, well then, hell, this is a trap game that gets away from them in Tampa. <laughs> but uh, somewhat similar to what you had said about Denver. I could have sworn I had it written down as they played in L.A. My bad. But, um, yeah, I've got the Buccaneers losing this one. Okay. Yeah, I just – I think you know, at, sitting at one and two, you start to become more desperate for wins early on in the season, right? And because an early start could just doom you when if you get hot at the end of the year and you miss the playoffs by one game and you're looking, you're going, 
<sighs> we didn't drop that game, right? Like, yeah, I, I think I, I think plenty of Bucks fans uh, know the pain of that. Well, I think we've yeah, seen I mean, that year after year. year. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, last year there was the Giants game early exactly. in the year. They should have won that football game, and you know, then they didn't. Whatever. But I think this this week. Uh, they're playing another offensive line that has some major questions. I know they added Brian Balaga uh, to it. I like him. But I still think they could use another piece or two along there. The biggest thing for me is that, you know, you say Tyrod Taylor. I said, basically in my notes, I said, who's that QB, the rookie or the journeyman? I like Tyrod Taylor. You know I like Tyrod Taylor. I but know at the he end was a guy day, you wanted in Tampa way before, you know, Brady was even a thought. Yeah, if if the Bucks were going to use this year as like a growing year, and we're going to draft a quarterback, the the last draft or definitely this draft, Tyrod Taylor is probably the guy I wanted. But for you know, he's good for a rebuilding team, but I just don't see him being able to keep up with the Bucks offense. The Chargers defense, I like the Chargers defense a lot. I mean, they got Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Derwin James. Uh, Casey Hayward, Desmond King, they have a ton of talent on that team. But I just don't think the, the Chargers defense is going to be able to really match what the Bucks defense is going to be able to do against that Chargers offense. So I think that at the end of the day, this is going to be a game that the Bucks defense wins for the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers will win a low-scoring game, but it'll be like it'll, – it'll be like – 21 to 13 or something bucks something something like that it'll but i have the feeling this could be the bucks like bucks defense wise this will be like the full like complete game that they've played all year and they'll get the win to prove to 500 then they're uh two and two at this point heading into chicago in prime time there you go looking promising and i think the formula to this one as with any football game as long as tom brady can get the ball out of his hands before big joey bosa and the rest of that defensive line gets there i think the ducks uh the ducks yeah. excuse me i think the bucks can dink and dunk their way to a victory against the chargers at home not on the road at home don't forget ladies and gentlemen now this next game i hope for the sake of my credibility is on the road right and it's it our is. first primetime game of the year under the Thursday night lights. The Buccaneers head up to Chicago to take on the Bears. This is a game right here that I'm looking at. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the Bucs as well. I'm licking my chops, dude, about playing Chicago. I don't know what it is, but the last time we played Chicago, we all remember what happened. In Chicago. We all remember what happened. But I look at this Bears team this year. You got Nick Foles and you got Mitch Trubisky. My opinion, any team with somewhat of a quarterback controversy seems doomed to mediocrity. They have some pieces. I know the defense is the real deal, but they're coming off of an eight and eight year. I, I just, you know, they want to find their answer at quarterback early. And by week five, a team like Chicago, they could definitely still be figuring it out. Um, the defense that isn't too shabby can definitely keep them in the game. And I think, you know, Khalil Mack gets his name called. We're going to see him on Sports Center five times a week because of some ridiculous ass play he makes. It'll almost be like Quan Alexander. I bet you Khalil Mack, Thursday night football, gets into the backfield before anybody else does and just grabs the ball from Rojo's hands and, and takes it all the way. I'm telling you it's going to happen because Khalil Mack is a freak of nature. So he'll get his name called. But. I don't have Chicago winning this game. I think they come away losers, and the Buccaneers win another one. First game on primetime, they get the dub. Yeah, I said basically, I said exactly, yet again, who's at QB? This is the second straight week where you don't know who could be the quarterback, um, which, I mean, is kind of a disadvantage to the Bucs, but if you have two 
two quarterbacks, you probably have none. Um, obviously, in the Chargers' case, it's a, either the rookie, but I mean that's a different scenario there. But here, I mean, you got Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, both guys that you know. Last time they played Mitch Trubisky, Trubisky looked like an all star, and then last time they played Nick good. Foles. Nick Foles did not benched look like him at halftime. <laughs> so um, you know, I think the Bucks might be rooting to play Nick Foles here uh, rather than Mitch Trubisky. And I think honestly, Foles will probably I think is going to win this battle. So I think they're going to end up playing Nick Foles. Um, I Chicago's offense is all right. They got Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen. Their offensive line is about average or so, maybe a little bit above average. Solid. I think their offense is decent. I just think they just don't have the quarterback play. And I think that's going to doom them here. I think the Chicago defense is going to be really good, as always. But I think they're just going to get worn out. And the Bucks are going to be able to get some late scores in. And I just think that uh, the Bucks are going to come away with a win here. And they'll improve to 3-2, and two, their second straight win. They can finally put together back-to-back wins. And uh, they can hold their heads up high. Uh, this Bucks offensive line is going to have to be good because I mean, if you look, the first five five games, I mean, you're playing New Orleans with Cam Jordan, Denver with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, the Chargers with uh, you know Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, and out Chicago with Khalil Mack and a guy like Hakeem Hicks, like and Robert Quinn they added as well. So like you're going to have to be good. Like this offensive line, if this offensive line struggles, I think the the Bucks could be in some trouble and they they could maybe lose some games they should win, but the Bucks are a better team on paper. I think Chicago just isn't that great. I think their defense is going to keep them in some games, but I think the Bucks are going to win an ugly one in, in Chicago. I think testing this offensive line early is going to be a blessing in disguise. Like I know, and I'm sure, you know, a guy like Tom Brady, of course, would would be comfortable knowing that this offensive line can handle some of the bigger hitters in the NFL regarding the defensive line. So if the test that they have over the first five weeks of the season gets them primed and ready to go for some tougher opponents down the road, then, hey, I am all here for it. So at this point in the season, we're headed into week six. I've got the Bucks at four and one, probably at the top of the NFC South, if not right around there, tied with New Orleans. And you've got them at three and two. Week six, they take on the Packers under Raymond James Stadium. And this is my most anticipated game of the year. God damn, I wish this was a Monday night football game because like I'm just I'm really looking forward to watching. The uniforms on my screen, I think, is really what's what's uh, what's getting me excited about it. But I'm I'm excited to watch these teams face off. You got Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay. You got Tom Brady with Tampa Bay. Anytime Aaron Rodgers plays Tom Brady, it's one hell of a game. The Bucks meet Green Bay in Ray J Week Six for the Packers. They'll be coming off of their bye week, and I honestly think that that makes the difference. I, I think this one could go either way. It's one of those games where I look at both of these rosters. It's going to be a competitive game. It's going to come down to the wire. And in the fourth quarter, I think the Packers feeling a little bit refreshed off of their bye week is going to make the difference. In this one, I've got the Buccaneers losing, falling to four and two on the season. But like I said before, this is one of those that could just go either way. And some of them, you know, I got to pick the Bucs to lose. So this is one of those games. Yeah, in my note, I said it's a big game. I mean, especially in Tampa. If you can have fans, if you're able to have fans of this game, Man, that would be electric. Um, I said the Green Bay offseason was not great. Uh, I mean, their draft was <laughs> their draft was particularly very bad. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking. I think they, I don't know if they realized that they were in the NFC Championship game last year and they were one game away from going to the Super Bowl, but they they sure didn't act like it in the offseason. 
So I think it's a back-and-forth game, and I said Rodgers just makes one more play than Brady does. And the, the Packers ended up coming into Tampa and, and beating the Buccaneers. Um, I think it's going to be a solid, solid game. And I think it's – like I said, it's just I think the Bucs are going to show some signs of encouragement, but I just think at the end of the day – the Bucks are going to drop this one, go down to three and three, and now you're. This is to the point where you're going to have to start to go on a run here. Like you're going to have to, and um, I mean, hope, hopefully they do. But I just think that both quarterbacks are going to play well. It's just maybe you know, like you said, coming off that bye week, that's a big factor there. They're already going to be rested. Week five bye week isn't great, I don't think, for most teams. But I mean, the Packers would have a you know a full week to prepare, and I mean the Bucks. You know the Bucks are going to have a long time anyway because they're playing on Thursday, so they'll have a little bit more rest as well. But um, I just think it's a really good game, and the Packers squeak one out. Yeah, and a really quick question here. You know, you brought up how a Week Five by week shapes up. How would you compare that for the people who don't already know? By the way, Tampa Bay Week Thirteen is their bye week, so quite a bit of football to be played before that point. But Evan. How would you compare like a week five by week to a week 13 by week? And in, in a sense, which one would you rather have? That's tough. Uh, it all depends on the type of team you have, because here's the deal. If the, if the bucks are going to be in a playoff position, that week 13 by week might be great because it could get them rested for this playoff run. Um, because I mean, after that you play what one, two, three, four, yeah, two division rivals, two yeah. games against Atlanta. You play Detroit and you play Minnesota, who I think yeah, is the so, toughest I mean, team of that stretch. You have four games and then you have the playoffs. So, I mean, if you're in a playoff spot, there's a great bye week to have, I think. Week five, it's a tad early. Week 13 is still pretty late, though. I don't think they've done week 13 buys really ever. Um, to me, in my mind, the best bye week is like week seven or so. I just think it's like almost smack dab in the middle of the year. You can play six games, figure out what you got, and then, you know, you get some rest. But uh, I'd probably rather have, oh, man, probably week five just because by the time week 13 rolls around and their bye week gets there, they might be fairly banged up, honestly. Um, So probably week five, but I don't think either one is ideal. Yeah, really. So we'll see what happens on the schedule next year. Seems like every year the Buccaneers find a way to just have something with their schedule that's a little bit off. But I'll take five primetime games anytime I can get them. Let's not forget that part. Speaking, Speaking of primetime, moving on into week this seven. The, the Buccaneers, first one of three in a row, by the way. Yeah, first one of a three-game stretch on primetime. You think America will be sick of Tampa Bay by this point? They head over to the West Coast to play Las Vegas they're playing the Raiders, former head coach John Gruden. And I think anytime we play the Raiders, it's a spectacle, but especially on Sunday night football, 8.20 p.m. is the kickoff for this one. And uh, I'll just come out and say it. I got the Bucks winning this one. You know, this is another anticipated game on the schedule for me. Again, I always get excited when we play the Raiders. Plenty of people know why. There doesn't need to be an explanation there. Um, and right around this time of the season, week seven, this offense should be rolling. I think we'll get a good idea of some of the best that we'll see from this offense. Hopefully Ronald Jones is, you know, running healthy and we see a lot of good signs from him. I think this could be a big game for him. And I just look at the rest of the roster. I don't know if Oakland's younger defense is going to be able to keep up with us. There's quite a few games on the schedule where it's going to come down if, you know, the other team's defense can keep up with our offense. And I know that that's been the case for quite a while, but when you're doing it without the interceptions, it's a much different story come Sunday. 
Um, Derek Carr is a wild card as well. You know, it seems like he's really playing for his job this year, so he could be playing really good football. He could not be playing really good football, and we could be playing Marcus Mariota on Sunday night. Wouldn't that be damning? But um, basically, in my mind, this one could become a shootout. Um, not that I expect the Bucks defense to have a bad game, but, you know, there's just some games where the scores get run up and it's not necessarily 100% on the defense. You know, people look at that game against New Orleans week one of 2018. All oh, the Bucks gave up 40 points. But like, did they really? You know, fans were walking out of the stadium beginning of the fourth quarter. So it, it was, you know, what was it? 48 to 24 beginning of the fourth quarter of that game. I just think this is a game that something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think this is a game where the score could be run up, maybe one of the higher scoring games of the season. But I've got the Buccaneers winning over John Gruden and the Raiders. This is this one is actually one of the toughest ones for me to pick. Honestly, um, I have have here. Like literally on the, on my my note, it says I will do the opposite of what Rhett says, and then in parentheses it says W slash L. Love that. Just to spite um, me, is that what it is? Just but to, I basically just to spite had, me. You know, you know this could, this could be another trap game. Well, just just to make it a little bit different, you know. Um, this could be another trap game, though. I think the Bucks are the better team on paper, and I think they would be the better man. Like you're traveling to Vegas, you're you're in Tampa, you're you're traveling across the country. You know, you've stayed, you've been in Tampa since week four. Then you went to Chicago, but you're still staying relatively close to Tampa. Now you're you're it's a long, you know, long long road there. There, um, I I think. Vegas Vegas has some weapons on the offensive side. Obviously, Henry Ruggs um, is the is the is the big one. Uh, I mean, that dude just got got blazing speed. Speed just he can just burn anybody. Um, and I think the Bucks secondary is going to have to ready for that. I had my thing, you know, Gruden revenge game. I mean, this is the first time. That, uh, a little interesting dynamic there. And I think that the Raiders defense is kind of underrated as well. They have some nice pieces. I'll say the Bucks win. Uh, I'll, I'll, there you go. I'll, there you go. Coming I'll, around I'll, to the I'll light side. I'll say, I'll say the Bucks. <laughs> I'll, I'll say the Bucks win. Uh, go to four and three on the year. I don't think it's going to be pretty at all. I think they might actually. This might be a game where they kind of get lucky. And like, if you look back on, back on it, you're like, oh, they didn't play too great. They probably should have lost. But I, I think the the Bucks end up taking this one. Um, they might. It might one game or something. Like I think it'll be very close. But I think the Bucks win and get to four and three, and hopefully you know can stay above five hundred now. So yeah, it'll be a test towards the end of the season. But I, I think the Bucks offense will be rolling by this time of year. So I think they'll be playing some pretty good football. But of course, we just got to wait and see. Now on to our second of three straight primetime games. It is the uh, the Mac A revenge game? Question mark. New York Giants. We're playing them in New York. Monday night football, 8.15 p.m. kickoff for this one. But in all seriousness, like this Giants team hasn't gone anywhere in years. Um, Danny Dimes is facing a prove-it year, and Joe Judge so far is shaping up to be a terrible coach. So, <laughs> I mean, I think the number one run defense in the NFL strikes again. They hold Saquon Barkley to a short day, as they do with a lot of running backs this season. And uh, they win pretty handily. I, I think there's no reason the Buccaneers should lose to this Giants team, especially at this point in the season. Yeah, this is a game. I the, I'll just tell you, I have the Bucks winning. Um, 
the Giants just they're still they're starting to come out of it maybe for them they're starting to come out of the rebuild like I but I just think they need another year um they need to see what they have in Daniel Jones and Joe Judge and stuff but like they have pieces I just don't think they have enough pieces uh Tom Brady I will note he does not like playing the Giants and not like (laughs) jeez I wonder why it's not like he's scared. It's just he lo- he likes revenge on them because this man would have eight Super Bowls if it wasn't for Eli Manning and the Giants. Now, obviously, Eli and Tom Coughlin, and there's no players on that Giants team now that, that played in those Super Bowls. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, I believe it. Uh, I think Tom Brady sort of has that chip on his shoulder still. Speaking of revenge... I think the Bucks want revenge on Daniel Jones. Oh, absolutely. Said the, the, the Matt Gay revenge game, I think this is the Todd Bowles revenge game. I, I think the Bucks players that were here last year, they're going to look at that, and they're going to be like, man, this guy came into our house in his first year, his first start, and just lit us up. And regardless of what happened at the end of that game, no excuse. And I think the Bucks are going to make life difficult for him. I think they're going to get – Five or six sacks this game. I think it's going to be an explosion of sacks. Hell yeah. Um, and I, I think the Bucks are going to win. And uh, one last note I have is Matt Gay will make every kick. So uh, he's not going to miss a single kick in this game. So Matt so, Gay not Bucks, missing a single kick in this game. Just to kind of, you know, think ahead, that means he's going to win the kicking competition happening, huh? Maybe. Um, <laughs> so I have, I have the Bucks winning, going to 5-3, and three, finally two games above 500, and really this is where you're going to see him. To, in my mind, you're going to see him really hit stride here. Um, you know, when, when week eight rolls around, I think they're really going to be – the offense is going to be humming. Uh, the defense, I think, is going to be starting to get into a rhythm. I think the playmakers are going to show up. And I think the pass rush is going to start to come alive. I think this is where you could really see this team start to really gel. This is absolutely the point of the season where you start playing make-or-break football. And for the Buccaneers, I think both of our situations, they're going to want to put together a string of games right here. Now let's move on to our third straight primetime game. Jesus Christ, that still sounds so weird. Week 9, they're taking on division rivals Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Sunday night football, baby, under the lights in Tampa Bay. 8.20 p.m. kickoff for this one. Now, the Bucs got the upper hand week one on my prediction, but I don't think they're going to be so lucky on the prime time stage. You know, we just brought up the Tampa Bay should be rolling this time of the season. That means a team like New Orleans is also going to be rolling at this time of the season. And in my opinion, you know, I'm sure anybody's opinion, they're going to be hanging tough for that top spot in the division um, this is going to be a big I, game for that division. Absolutely, and and this is a game that's going to come down to the wire. And I've just I've got New Orleans winning it. You know, I can't predict Tampa Bay sweeping New Orleans just yeah. yet. I, I think they're going to keep it interesting. I think the series is one and one, and this is the one that the Buccaneers drop. But what do you think? I have it as the biggest game of the year so far for the Buccaneers. I mean, when you're talking about potentially the game, the person who wins this game could maybe win the division. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's big. I know it's only Week Nine. And there's still a lot of games to go. Yeah, like like the 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 Bucks could beat New Orleans week one, that beat New Orleans week nine. You could be, oh my God, they're gonna win a division, and then they lose four straight, and that's done. Right. So obviously, there's still would be tons of football to play, but just this game, man, it would just feel so important. It's under the lights. Sunday night football to me is the marquee. Some people think it's Monday night football, but I think it's. It's Sunday Sunday night football. Apparently, the, the, the uh, apparently uh, Sunday night football, the most viewed program in America, according to NBC's commercials yeah, for it. Like, 
I think I think it's the it's the marquee primetime game. Like I honestly do. I think it's one Sunday night football, two Monday night football, and three Thursday night football. I think, you know, Monday night football just I don't know. I don't. I think some people just hate ESPN so much that they just refuse to watch it on there. Um, so I mean, I, I just I, I feel like Sunday Sunday night football is that big one. So I, I said Bucks and Saints could be fighting for first place in the South at this point, um, and I think the Buccaneers go out. And just like you said, how the Buccaneers aren't going to sweep the Saints, I don't think the Saints are going to sweep the Buccaneers. And I have the Buccaneers winning this game in Tampa. So New Orleans wins in New Orleans. Tampa wins in Tampa. And, uh, yeah, I think the Buccaneers put together a solid team win. It's not going to be a blowout, but I think this is going to be a, the first time you're going to see both sides of the ball really play well. Um, the reason I don't think it's going to be a blowout is just because New Orleans is that good. Like I, They're just not going to get blown out. So oh, yeah. I think this is going to be the best pure game of the year for the Bucks, and I think they come out with a victory. And now they're 6-3 and three in my, my predictions. They're starting to go on that run. So Yeah, and, you know, biggest game of the year for the Bucs. Let me throw this in there as well. I also think most viewed game of the year for the Bucks. Think about it. Three straight weeks on primetime. People are sick and tired of it, but I think – of those three straight primetime games, this one has the makings to be an instant classic. Week one's going to be viewed, but this one is just going to crush it. Like, everybody's going to be watching this game, and I cannot wait for the Buccaneers to showcase. Now, moving on to week 10, they're playing another division rival, two division rival games in a row. Kind of, you know, same layout on the schedule as well. They go from New Orleans, they head up to Carolina while well, they go from playing New Orleans and Tampa. Let me not forget that important part. They're playing at home. They play from home. Week after that, yep. week 10, they go up to Charlotte. They play the Carolina Panthers. That's a 1 p.m. kickoff. And uh, I don't know if it's a bold prediction, but my prediction is that the Bucks will sweep the Panthers this year. Um, as said before, you know, this, Car- this Carolina team is so unproven. By this point in the season, I-, I think we'll obviously know if they're contenders or not. But I still just don't think they're going to be able to match up. They'll be well on their way to last place come week 10, if you want me honest with you. I just I don't see them finishing above last place in the NFC South. And I think this game proves every bit of that. Buccaneers winning this one in my book. Yeah, I basically my notes here were pretty short. I said um, Carolina doesn't have the horses to keep up with Tampa. Like I said, Tampa's hitting their stride at this point, and I just said this isn't close. The the Bucks will win this game, I think, pretty handily. I don't, I don't from start to finish. I don't think this. I think this is going to be a complete domination. So this this game, I think the game in Tampa will actually be closer than this game. Yeah. Now let's move on to Week Eleven. Speaking of prime time, you thought you were tired of it? Well, guess what? We got some more of it for you, baby. Monday Night Football: The Buccaneers appear once again to take on Jared Goff and the Los Angeles Rams. They will be playing in Raymond James. It's an eight fifteen p.m. kickoff, and uh, I think if the O line in particular holds on to this game, the Buccaneers can too. Aaron Donald is obviously a problem. He's going to need to be addressed pretty early. He's going to be a big part of the game. They did a good job last year, though. They Say did again? a really good. They did a really good job last year. That oh, was, absolutely. That was impressive what they were able to do against him. So absolutely. And looking at LA, they've also got a somewhat talented secondary. They could take advantage if Brady is under pressure. But I think the uh, the strength of that offensive line throughout this one is going to be the difference maker. I have the Buccaneers winning this game as well. Yeah, I have. I just said Rams have really gone downhill. Like this is what happens when you like. 
all the people that want the Bucks just to sign every veteran and trade draft picks for all these guys and sign to extensions. Scary this thought. is what ha- this is what happens if you don't win a Super Bowl. If the Rams won a Super Bowl, I'm sure right now they wouldn't really care, but they didn't. They came up short to Tom Brady, and I think that. I, I think that's going to be in the Rams' minds, honestly. I think that'll be maybe a little bit extra motivation. That, like, hey, like, this dude beat us when really, like, he didn't play great in that Super Bowl. I think we can all admit that. Um, it was a pretty sloppy game. It was a really low scoring, just boring Super Bowl. Um, I think the Rams could use that as motivation. Bucks beat him last year in a crazy game. I said this game won't be that crazy, but the result is still the same. I have the Buccaneers winning. And I believe that's, that's improving to eight and three for me. So. Um. Yeah, they're they're really they're really going on a run here. Hell yeah, man! Week twelve, we're gonna set our sights on Kansas City. This is a game that, in my opinion, should have been prime time, but it's not. It's a four twenty-five p.m. kickoff, and they're gonna play Kansas City in Tampa Bay. Pat Mahomes comes to Tampa for a piece of the goat. I think Kansas City and their high-powered offense are really going to get it done, though. I think this could be the highest-scoring game of the season for Tampa Bay, aside from maybe the Vegas game. But um, Casey, at this point, you know, they're also going to be on a bit of a tear. And I think Kansas City, they're going to look more than ready to show up in the Super Bowl again this year. So I think it'll probably be, aside from New Orleans, the biggest challenge the Buccaneers have on the schedule this year. I think Kansas City, Pat Mahomes, they just make magic happen and they make Tampa Bay look silly. They come in and they win this one. So you think the Vegas games will be more high scoring than both New Orleans games? I think it could be. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit bold. I just I was I just wasn't sure, you know. I just don't know how much of a shootout that'll be. But the the funny part is, my first bullet point for this game is literally how is this not at night? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, like I don't I don't understand why you wouldn't put the Rams in this spot and the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. That doesn't make much sense to me. Um, but like whatever. I said the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and brought everyone back. I think that's one of the first times ever that that's been able to happen. Like and, even with the Patriots teams, they got always got gutted in the off season and they yeah. just, were just able to find guys to do it. But Kansas city uh, as well. Let me just throw this in there too. Dude, they had one hell of a draft. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. <sighs> that's all you had to say. <laughs> this My kid's going to be so good, man. <laughs> yeah. Fantasy owners. Like I'm, I'm usually against drafting fantasy running backs and like wide receivers, I mean, not not. I, I mean, I mean rookies, like the rookies right, guys. Yeah. Don't I draft the rookie. Don't. I typically don't draft rookies. I would draft Clyde over Tolaire. I'm just gonna say that right now. I I think this guy in this in this Kansas City offense, I think he's gonna be used perfectly. Um, I said the Chiefs are stacked and they take this in a close game. I think the Bucks lose this game, drop to eight and four. The Chiefs are just on another level. I don't think, honestly. I don't think there's a team better than them in the NFL right now. I don't think there's anybody on their level. I don't think there's no quarterback, certainly on Patrick Mahomes' level. Uh, and I, I think it, it'll be back and forth. I think the Bucks will have a shot to win this game, but ultimately the Chiefs will just make too many plays, and Pat Mahomes is going to have a fun night. I think uh, it could be high scoring. I think either way it's going to be a close game, but – yeah, the, the Chiefs are going to take this one. The Bucks are going to – the Bucks. I believe I had them on a – let's see, one, two, three, four. I had them on a five-game win streak. So their five-game win streak is snapped by the defending Super Bowl champions, which you can hold your head up high after that. So Yeah, really. Eight and four, go, going into the bye week, some much-needed rest for this team before they really go on their last four games and hopefully you know go on a playoff run. 
Now, between the two of us, very different start of the season that we've written down for the Bucks here. But at the bye week, we both have them at eight and four headed into this final four game stretch. So let's jump into that four game stretch. Coming out of week 13, Bucks are well rested from the bye week. They go into week 14. They're taking on the Vikings at home. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff for this one. Um, coming off the bye week is huge for Tampa Bay here. They'll start the final four games of the season, and I think Minnesota is the biggest test of those final four games of the season. We said that way back when we reviewed the schedule with Matt Matera. I think this is a game that could be a trap game, but if they're feeling prepared enough out of the bye week, they could come away and get this one. Um, Minnesota's year really seems like it could go either way, though. You've got Mike Zimmer coming back. Um, I think with better quarterback play from Tampa and a defense that's humming at this point, they can get it done. They take over. They advance to nine and four on the year after beating Minnesota. I just, I don't know, dude. I don't think Kirk Cousins is the guy for anybody. And uh, I think we see that on display at this point. Minnesota fans, if they're in the building, they'll be booing him out of Raymond James Stadium by the time this one's over. Uh, yeah, so the Vikings had an eventful morning this morning, didn't they? Um, <laughs> of course, you know, I'm getting a Yannick Ngakwe, which yes, him, and Hunter, him and Daniel Hunter on the same uh, defensive line is pretty scary. However, I have not changed my notes. Um, I think they're a tad overrated. I, I think that the Vikings are a little bit overrated. I think some people are just looking at their draft and really saying, oh, my God, their draft was so good. Yeah, I, I like their draft, but you also have to remember that I think a lot of these rookies are going to get off the slow starts. There's not going to be the you know the typical rookies that just start fast. And a lot of their guys they drafted were on defense. I, I understand that you know they drafted Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from LSU, solid player. They also got Jeff Gladney, the cornerback from TCU, uh, another solid player. But I think the Bucks and Brady at this point are just they're in full stride. They're full go. Not not much is going to stop them. And, you know, I think they win this game. I, I think it'll be a close game. I think all these games are going to be close. The Vikings are going to play them tough. They're not just going to lay down. I think the Vikings at this point will still be in some playoff contention, so they'll still have something to play for. Uh, and also a little tidbit I have is this is actually the Bucks' first time facing Kirk Cousins since the you like that game. Oh, the last time, The last time they played the Vikings – was when Case Keenum was the starter and Kirk Cousins wasn't there yet. And then they played the Redskins and Alex Smith was there, so it just never matched up. So this is going to be the first time since 2015 that they have played Kirk Cousins. So I think somebody's going to bring that up eventually. And if they win, I bet you Kirk Cousins says something like it. Um, I'm just – I bet you he does. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I tell you what will happen is that Brady will take like the clip of Cousins – Maybe he'll do one of those deep fakes, right? And he'll just put he'll, his he'll face say, on Cousins. Yeah, or yeah, he'll just he'll he'll like subtly. I don't feel like Brady would do that type of troll job. I feel like he might say that like subtly in like the end of his press conference or something. Yeah, right. Oh man, it'll be good. I'm, I'm looking. But at the forward... same time, like Brady was nowhere near joining the Bucks at that point, so he's probably like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right, exactly. <laughs> he probably has no clue. But I know that for Kirk Cousins, it's definitely a meme that's followed him around over the years. But one thing I am looking forward to this season, along with some pretty good football is all the Tom Brady celebration posts. Like anytime the Buccaneers win a game, I'm looking forward to that week's post. I know last year or maybe the year before with the Pats, he did it where it was like newspaper articles, like Patriots come to town and colonize herd of Rams or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I'm looking forward to Tom Brady and his social media antics this year. 
Are you stealing? Are you stealing my tweet? What? I tweeted that like the other day. Oh, dude, whatever. You know I'm not on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's jump in to this next game. It's a division game for the Buccaneers and the start of a two-game series against the Atlanta Falcons. They're playing in Atlanta. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff. And, um, you know, Buccaneers should be on full stride. I think they'll be looking like playoff-quality football players at this point, but I think this is one of those trap games on the schedule, and I don't think you can sweep them all. I think Atlanta takes the win here. I definitely don't think Atlanta contends for the division this year whatsoever. I don't think Todd Gurley is going to be what they want him to be. Matt Ryan's all right, but I just, I, I, I don't know, man. Something about Atlanta, they're too shaky for me. Um, and especially the fact that they decided to keep Dirk Cutter, right? He's still the offensive coordinator over there. Yeah. Yep. He's still there. Yeah. I, I just don't see them in a very good place come week 15. But with Actually, that being Raheem said, Raheem Morris is their defensive coordinator too. Yeah. Right. That's he did a funny. pretty good job getting rallying that defense <laughs> second half of last yeah. year, but that was after what starting zero and eight. Um, yeah, they they man, they they would have made the playoffs if they started off even like average and they were just awful. Right. So I, I don't know what happens. I don't know what to expect from this Atlanta team, but I do expect them to beat the Bucks on the road. Um, so, yeah, I, they'll still get the best of Tampa right here. I think it's a close game. I think it comes down to the wire. But just like those division games that can go either way, this one goes in the way of Atlanta. And I've got them winning this one. Buccaneers fall to five losses on the year for me. Yeah, I had here that Atlanta is a very average team to me. They're just they scream seven and nine or eight and eight. Like they to me they scream twenty nineteen bucks. Like the high powered offense, a defense that can't quite put it together until it's a bit too late. Um, I just a bunch of missed opportunities where they could have won games. This game I think is a game they will win. I think the you know. If this game was in Tampa, I'd probably pick the Bucks, but I think Atlanta, depending, you know, they're average, but I still think they're going to play the division tough, and I think they're going to be a tough out for even the Saints. Uh, I think they'll they'll be a tough out, and I think they'll get the best of the Bucks here. This is going to be a game I think where you're looking, and if the Bucks don't get first place in the South, you might look to this game and say like, God darn it, like that's the yeah. one that they let slip. Um, so I think the Bucks drop this one and go to nine and five. So. I mean, you with two games left have the exact same record. Yeah. So uh, let's see how they can. You know, I mean, at this point, nine and five. I don't know if you can realistically win a division now, just because I think you needed to really keep pace with New Orleans. Yeah. But you know, we'll see. Anything can happen. And I've got the Bucks. Let me just throw this out there as well. I've got the Bucks predicted to finish second place in the division. So the way that you brought that up, nine and five at yeah, this I point, do, maybe well. it's one or two games separating the two, and that's just what's going to yeah. really get it done at this I time think of the season. That 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 Atlanta game is going to hurt so much because I think that'll signal that like they're not going to win the division. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, but I mean, look, if you're still looking at your first playoff appearance in 13 years, then damn it, I will be ready for it. Let's move on to week 16. The Buccaneers head up to the Motor City. They take on the Detroit Lions, who they absolutely picked apart last year. And uh, I know that they should have Matt Stafford starting in this one, which they didn't last time them in Tampa Bay played, but I still don't see many reasons why the Bucs should lose this one. By now, most of your playoff pictures are going to be clearing up, and the Bucs will be one win away from some breathing room in that department. So I think they take a much-needed W here against a not-very-great team. Um, I think they get it done in Detroit pretty handily, and if they lose this one, then, pff, I mean, hell, I don't know. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I had, I had here. I'm not I'm not a believer in Detroit. I've seen some people that say like with a healthy Matt Stafford, maybe this team can win nine games or so. I don't see it um, because at this point, I just I think they're a bottom eight team in the league. Like I just think they're like you know they're going to be picking in the top ten. I think at this point they'll have three or four, maybe five wins and. They pretty much know that Matt Patricia is going to be fired, and I don't know how much they're going to play. Um, I think the Bucks win a close game. I think the Bucks win, but it is a close game. And the reason is because it's Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, <laughs> the one time that he played Tom Brady and Bill Belichick with the Patriots in Detroit, the Lions beat him, and Tom Brady did not look good. Uh, that offense, the Detroit Lions defense figured out the Patriots and the Lions beat them. So I think it's a close game. I just had in parentheses, Patricia plays Brady well, and I think that'll stay. But I think the Bucks just make too many plays. I think they have too much firepower for uh, for the Lions. So now the Buccaneers have are 10-5, and five and the first time they get double-digit wins since 2010. So big reason to celebrate. Absolutely. So moving on from that game, Final game of the year, week 17, playing Atlanta once again. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff. You know, whenever we play Atlanta week 17, it really seems like Jameis Winston in particular, it seems like he was never able to close the year out against Atlanta. Well, Brady definitely can. Um, Buccaneers win two in a row in my prediction to end the season with a ride into a wild card appearance with momentum three in a row, not two in a row. I'm sorry, but, um, Buccaneers win three in a row in my prediction. No, it, 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 it's, it's, it's two in a row because they lost versus in Atlanta. Yeah, you're right. Buccaneers win two in a row. God, I got to stop getting so ahead of myself. Buccaneers win two in a row to ride out the season and they go into a wild card appearance with some momentum beating out a division rival week 17, they get it done in Raymond James, which is a very welcome sight in my opinion. Yeah. So I think, uh, one big thing I have here, Tom Brady was undefeated against the Falcons in his career. The first time he plays the Falcons this year, he lost. I think that's going to eat at him. And I think he's going to come out and the Buccaneers are going to win this football game to finish 11 and five. I think they won't dominate. It'll be a close game, but like Atlanta at this point will be eliminated from playoff contention in the second. Like maybe the Bucks carry like a seven point lead in the halftime and Atlanta kind of is like, eh, and the Bucks ended up winning by like 10, um, something like that. So I think the Bucks will finish 11 and five. Like you said, go to the wild card. Um, question I have for you, since we have both the same record, what seed are they going to be? Because now there's obviously there's seven teams. So is it going to be five, six or seven? Do you think? Hmm. I know it's putting you on the spot, but yeah, yeah. I, I know. Assuming, you know, I want to lean assuming New Orleans is a top two seed. Um, you know, just because I think if the Bucks are 11 and five and still second in the division, I think New Orleans is definitely going to be a top two seed. Yeah, I think 11 and five should get you a five seed. I don't see anything lower at 11 and five. I, I mean, hell, you know, we have to see how it shakes out. But even if they finish 10 and six, God forbid, one of those division games just goes the other way. They still could make a wild card appearance. You just kind of have to see how it shakes out at that type of the season. But I think 11 and five should get them in at a five seed. I think five seed is what they would deserve. 11 and five. I think you'll have some other teams squeaking in at 10 and six. I don't know if you'll have any playoff teams go nine and seven this year, but I think, down, I think that that seventh team might be a nine and seven team. Yeah. I mean, who the hell knows, dude, you could be right, but I think 11 and five is good enough to get them fifth seed. 
Yeah, I, I think I think that probably the five. Um, I think that it's definitely it's it's not gonna be seven. If if it's seven and you went eleven and five, like oh my god, the NFC right. would be stacked. Yeah, uh, it's definitely got to be five or six. I'm leaning towards five as well, which I believe would mean they would play the four seed. So uh, obviously, unfortunately, that game would be on the road. Uh, the game, obviously, there would be no uh, Bucks home playoff games this year because the Bucks did not win the division. Uh, but you now maybe the Bucks could be playing at Ram James Stadium for something else after a few weeks. Uh, but uh, you know that that's their goal, of course. That's probably what they'll say, you know, if if they're in this situation, be like, hey, this whole time we have to be on the road. But, you know, our goal was to play in Raymond James Stadium for something else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, four seed, you know, you're thinking if you think of if you're just predicting who can win divisions, like they're not going to play the Saints. The Saints aren't going to be the four seed. Um, maybe a team like San Francisco, if San Francisco wins, maybe like Green Bay, maybe it's to travel to Green Bay. Maybe travel like Dallas, or like Philly, or something. something I would like that, hate so. to travel to Green Bay for playoff football. That would be, <laughs> oh my god, dude! That time of the year. Yeah, I know it's it'd be brutal. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Brady excels in snow games. So who the who the hell knows? This is a. Uh, it's true. You know, it, it's hopefully a different Buccaneers identity than what we've seen in the past. Of course, we have to wait and see what Tom Brady can bring to the table. But if he does everything right. Then uh, you heard the predictions, folks. Both Evan and I have this team going 11 and 5. I think the fifth seed appearance is reasonable and maybe showing up in the wild card. Hell, maybe they make a deep playoff run. I don't know. At this point, we've just got to wait and see. But, ladies and gents, at exactly an hour into the show, there is your regular season 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers schedule prediction from us here at the Cannon Fire Podcast. Now, before we wrap this up, We've got our season predictions out there, but we got some player awards as well. We've got our offensive MVP, defensive MVP, best rookie, and of course, the most improved. I'm going to kick it off with my offensive MVP. I've got 12 season, but, you know, technically number 14. I think Chris Godwin is the guy to watch this year. You know, I, I know that sounds cliche, Chris Godwin, the guy to watch. Like, nobody knows not to watch Chris Godwin. But um, I think the connection between him and Brady is going to be magical. Like, I think Mike Evans gets 1,000 yards. I think Chris Godwin gets 1,000 yards. I don't know about the tight ends, but I think something about the connection between Tom Brady and Chris Godwin, who is a guy who has this unbelievable ability of just coming up with yards after the catch. I think he's going to have tons of highlight plays this year, and there's going to be quite a few times where we see Chris Godwin take nothing and make something out of it. I think he's that type of player, and uh, he's going to be my offensive MVP this year. Uh, yeah, I that's a solid pick. I'm going to go with the guy that's across the way from him. I'm, I'm going to go with Mike Evans. Uh, I think there's another, it's crazy to say, but I think there's another another level to Mike Evans' game. Like, it's not like, obviously he's not going to get like 2,000 yards or whatever, but like, it wouldn't surprise me, man, if he gets close to like his career high for for receiving yards. Um, I forget what it is exactly, but you know, I just I think he's having a really good camp. It seems like him and Brady are really gelling. And really, if you look at Mike Evans' size and speed, you know, you can compare him to a guy that Brady had a lot of success with, and it's Randy Moss. Brady hasn't thrown to a guy like like Mike Evans since Randy Moss. Uh, you know, New England's has always had those those smaller receivers. 
you know, uh, the Julian Edelmans, Wes Welkers, Philip Dorsett. Yeah, I mean, he had Josh Gordon for a little bit. That was there was some size there, uh, but I mean. I think that Brady's going to welcome this opportunity to play with a guy like Mike Evans with six five and it's just his his wingspan and his his catch radius is just so big. I think he's going to really enjoy it. I think it's a big year for Mike Evans and uh, yeah, I think he is the Bucks offensive MVP. By the way, for Mike Evans, his personal best for receiving yards in a season is one thousand five hundred and twenty four. So pretty damn impressive. I'll say, I'll say he. I'll, I'll say he gets 1,400 yards. Okay. All right. I like the idea of just, Mike just Evans. I like the idea of Mike Evans being that guy as well. And, I mean, I've got the Mike Evans jersey hanging up behind me, dude. He's probably my favorite guy on the roster, aside from maybe, like, Ryan Jensen. Um, and, of course, you know, Tom Brady. I mean, come on. But, um, you know, Mike Evans having a big year encompasses exactly what you had just said. You know, Tom Brady having the ability to throw to a guy who's just going to go up and get it. Like Chris Godwin can go up and get it, but just like you said, there's another level to Mike Evans, even compared to, you know, the majority of the other wide receivers in the NFL. He is just overliable. You know, he's going to go up there, he's going to get it, and he's going to make a play, especially when it comes to catching in traffic. We can count on Mike Evans for some plenty of wild moments in that. So your offensive MVP and my offensive MVP, both the wide receivers, see which one has a better year. Moving on to the defensive MVP award, I've got a guy that I don't know if it'll turn some heads. I don't know if it'll be a huge shock, but I think our defensive MVP among all the talent out there on the field is Jason Pierre Paul, yeah. big outside linebacker. I mean, JPP came back last year. He had what? Eight sacks, eight and a half sacks on a broken freaking neck in 10 games. This is a guy who has the, uh, you know, he's fortunate enough this year to have a full camp. He's feeling healthy. He's recovered from that surgery. He's played some damn good football since that surgery. And no major injuries are barring him from playing this year. I think he's playing with a chip on his shoulder without a doubt. Buccaneers just paid him some good money to stick around in Tampa Bay. So he's definitely going to go out there and do whatever he can to help secure a, um, a Super Bowl championship at the end of the season. But, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be a race for the sack numbers between Shaq Barrett and JPP. I think JPP edges him out, to be honest with you. If he gets double-digit sacks, it's over. He's your defensive MVP for me. Yeah, I think an underrated part of Jason Pierre-Paul's game is just his leadership ability. That, like, before we got to, like, I knew he was a good player, but, like, before he got to Tampa, I didn't even take notice of. And maybe this is something, like, maybe this is something that he just really started doing as he got older. I mean, the more you get older, the more, the less, like, money matters to you, the more winning matters to you. Absolutely. Um. So, like, I mean, Pierre-Paul, man, is just such a leader. And, he just wants to win. Like the dude's a baller. Like the dude is just like the definition of a baller, a guy that like can run his mouth and tell you to step up and like he's going to go out there and show you how it's done. Yeah. Like he he's going to go out there and get it done. I do I think he gets double digit sacks. I'm not sure if he edges out uh, Shaq Barrett. I think might it's only going to if if one one's going to edge out the other one by like one or two sacks. It's going to be very close. Uh but I think both of them get double digit sacks. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to see Pierre Paul. I think that's a very interesting pick and not one that I was really thinking of. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, I'm going to go with older reliable. 
the dude's just a beast. About to get a new contract extension soon, hopefully. Levante David. I, yes, sir. He's just he's just so good. It's, it's he's showing no signs of slowing down. I think they're going to be blitzing him a lot more, so he's going to make a lot more splash plays. The last time he was being blitzed so much was in 2013 under Greg Schiano, where he had five interceptions, five sacks. I think he was just he was unstoppable at that point, and I think he's going to prove that. I think he feels a little bit disrespected that, like, you know, like he was the 100 on the NFL top 100. Like, I feel like he should, he feels like he should be a little bit more. I think he sees an opportunity with having a lot of more primetime games to really make a name for himself. And I think he does it. Motivation, money is a motivation for him. I mean, his contract year, basically, if they don't have a deal done by the start of the season. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's just going to ball out and he's going to be that guy. He's going to, he's going to show the NFL that like he is a top two linebacker in the NFL, like inside linebacker in the NFL, possibly even number one. So I think he's going to prove that finally after years of basically playing like it, I think he's finally going to show people like what, like when people say like he's underrated and people are like, what, like you're going to see why. Yeah. Levante David, more of the same, I'm expecting as well in 2020. He's just going to continue to be that guy, and I'm looking forward to it. Let's move on to our next player award. This one goes out to the young guys. Best rookie of the year. And uh, to put it simply, mine is the second round pick. I got Antoine Winfield Jr. You know, I think having Tristan Wurst at the right tackle position is going to see, um, we're definitely going to see what he's made of come week one. Like, he's going to have an immediate test on his hands. But I think Antoine Winfield just kind of makes the difference back there. Um, you know, still kind of a weird thing when you talk about how quickly he can learn. You look at the secondary last year, right? A lot of it came down to these guys meshed second half of the season because of, you know, just experience playing together and meshing well. Um, I, I have high hopes that Antoine Winfield Jr. can kind of find himself in that picture pretty comfortably. Um, maybe around the halfway point of the season is when we really see him turn it on. But, you know, I wanted to put Tyler Johnson, but it's just unfortunate that he's kind of dealing with that injury right now. So Antoine Winfield is the pick for me. I think he's going to be the rookie of the year. Yeah, uh, he's my pick as well. I think he's just a ball hawk. Unfortunately for Tristan Wirfs, it's just it's so hard for for you to pick an offensive lineman as like the best rookie. I think you're definitely going to see an improvement on the right side from Wirfs to Dotson. Maybe not at first, but I think after three or four games, I think Wirfs is going to be just fine. Uh, and I, like I said, Antoine Winfield, I love the pick. He was my second-rated safety. Um, I just felt like they got a really good value there. And I think, yeah, like I say, he's just a ball hawk. I believe he had like six or seven interceptions his last year at Minnesota. Um, he can do it all. I think he's a Swiss Army knife. He can play the nickel a little bit if you need him to. I think he's going to be a really solid player. Maybe not at first because I don't know if he's going to start at first. But by week five or six, you're going to see him starting and you're going to see him making plays. So I love to see it. I'm looking forward to it. Now, Let's move on to our final player award of the show. And the guy that I picked kind of technically won this award last year, but let's just jump right into it. This is the most improved award, the player you think will improve the most over the course of the season. My pick is big number 92, the guy that I almost forgot about two years ago, Will 
Golston. Now, the reason I say he won this award last year is because he had a hell of a year last year. He had a career year. He's really found just some new life in Todd Bowles' system, and the fact that they were able to bring him back, I'm sure he's pretty excited about. I also saw something around that said uh, he put on some weight this offseason. Holy hell, dude. Those training camp photos have come out, and he is looking jacked. But I think Will Golston gets the award again because he's just going to take his play to another level this year. Is he going to wreck games? No, but he's going to do. He's going to go in there, and he's going to do exactly what you need him to do on that defensive line. And he's going to be a big part of that run game because he was a big part of that run game last year. I think Will Golston having familiarity, feeling good in the scheme, and so far having a pretty damn good camp is going to make all the difference in the world. And I think he will probably be the strongest rotational player that you see on that interior defensive line. I think Will Golston is your most improved for 2020. Okay. Yeah, well, I, as for here, I kind of cheated a tad um, <laughs> because I, I have two. Okay. Uh, I, I like your Will Golston pick. I think Will Golston's been a very underrated part. Everybody looks at him making like $4.75 million, and they're like, oh, get rid of him. But I don't think they realize just how important he is the defensive line and in the run game. Yeah. It's he's never going to wow you as a pass rusher. He's never even going to get more than three, four sacks in a year. But it's just he's going to do like that's how like this run defense is going to get back to where it is. The Dominicansu and Vita Vea and Will Golson, those were the three guys that made that run defense unstoppable. It wasn't really Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre Paul. They helped, but you know, those guys were rushing the passer. The the rush defense was Vita Vea and I'm consuming Will Golston. Without those three guys working well together, it doesn't happen. So my first one, they're both on the offensive side of the ball. My first one is Alex Kappa. I think Alex Kappa is not going to be playing at like a Pro Bowl level, but I think he's going to show you finally that like he can consistently be a decent starter and like a guy that like you can trust at right guard uh, for like for the season. I think that he's going to show just more technique like. His first year, he didn't really play a whole lot. Um, and then, obviously, like he broke his freaking arm in a game and still played. Um, but I, I have faith in him, and uh, I think he's going to show this year that he can be like a solid starter on a playoff team. So uh, Alex Kappa is my one. And the other one, i got to look outside here. Might, you know, it's a nice day out. I might take a ride. I don't have a bike, though, but... Might might need to go find my scooter. Oh, good and, uh, lord! Take a ride. <laughs> I mean, you know, might have to do that. I don't know, but yeah, I think scooter uh, Scotty Miller is going to show out. I think he's going to really. He's not going to get eight hundred, nine hundred yards. Like that's just not with these weapons and all the tight ends. That's not what he's going to get. He'll get probably around four hundred and fifty yards or so, maybe even a little less, and he'll catch two or three touchdowns, but I just think he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to stabilize things, and he's really going to prove himself as a really solid number three wide receiver option. He's going to be the Adam Humphreys that we've been looking for ever since the departure of Hump, and by the way, best you think nickname Brady's on the team like since the Hump is Scooter do you, do you, do you for think, Scotty Miller. Yeah. Do you think Brady's mad? Like He looks at like Bucks Tate from like 2018, and he's like, why didn't you keep this guy? Right, exactly. I wonder if maybe <laughs> like, that was the, a factor. This guy's Who perfect. Knows? <laughs> I mean, well, New England tried to sign Adam Humphreys that same offseason. New England tried to sign him. I can't, but I, you know, going back to that situation very briefly, I still can't believe that Adam Humphreys was like, nah, I'm going to stay in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then proceeded to get, what, like 15 yards last year? 
<laughs> I, I love Hump. Let me not come after the guy. I love Adam Humphreys, and I hope he has a lot of success with Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> well. So, Scotty Miller, your most improved player this year. Yes, sir. I like it, man. And like I said, you know, I think Scooter's the best nickname on the team. So I'm looking forward to seeing Scooter put up some highlights. But I know a lot of people are really, really buying the Scotty Miller hype. So we will definitely have to wait and see. He's going to be an exciting player to watch if he can get that mesh rolling with Brady. But ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. If you've watched up until this point, for listening and tuning in to our 2020 season prediction show. It's been pretty fun. And I got to be honest with you, we're an hour and 15 minutes into it. I think it's the best time we've ever made on a season prediction show. I, I it think, is. I, I think normally it's like hour and 40 minutes or so. Right. I, I think we're finally starting to get the hang of this, but me and Evan have the Buccaneers at 11 and five locked in at the number five seed with a wild card appearance. You heard our player awards. If you need to hear them again, just rewind them and you can listen to that part again. Great segment. You should definitely go check that out. But with that being said, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon fire podcast. Make sure you follow myself on social media at Redicus. If you follow me, I'll follow you back on Instagram and Twitter as well. Twitter is uh, pretty fun. Pretty damn fun. You can follow my co-host Evan Wanish on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks underscore daily. On Instagram, Bucks daily, the number one Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan page on the entire damn app. So make sure you go check that out as well. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. I am your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Thank you guys so much for listening to our show. We'll catch you next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.